Good morning. So can you feel the tension in those images on the video there? Tension between the sling and the guitar string and all the tension in those different things. We're beginning a new sermon series today called Tensions because there are so many things in life, so many tensions that we feel in life kind of pulling back and forth with each other. That's true also in church. So, for instance, the church exists to care for its members. Just look inside these walls. Take care of these people. Look each other in the eye. Know one another. That's church. That's church. We see that all the way back at the beginning of church in Acts chapter 13. Uh, Starting in verse 1, we have this little story. It says, now in the church at Antioch, There were prophets and teachers, and then you get a list of their names. They were known by name with each other because they cared for each other. They knew each other. There's Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, that sounds good. That, that's church, right? That's church. It's people who worship together, people who listen for the voice of God together, people who know each other by name. They even gave each other nicknames. Barnabas in the list. His name was Joseph, but the apostles called him the son of encouragement, Barnabas. Simeon has a nickname. Lucius, we know where he's from. We know the backstory of Manian. He grew up with Herod. They know each other. They care for each other. That's church. That's the focus of the church, to care for those inside of it. John said it to church folks in 1 John 3, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. He said, we should love one another. Peter said it to church folks in 1 Peter 1, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Paul said it, Romans 13, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. They all took their cues, of course, from Jesus himself, who told his followers, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know, the world will know, you are my disciples if you love one another. Mark Galley, an author, even goes back farther. He says in the Old Testament prophets, the call of those prophets is not that everyone everywhere will pursue justice for all, but that the people of God would treat one another justly, righteously in the presence of God. There you have it. You don't have to look any further. Right here, the apostles and the prophets agree with the living Lord Jesus. Church is focused on those inside of it. And yet... I've heard this phrase as well, that the church is the only institution that exists for the benefit of non-members. Allegedly, William Temple said that many years ago. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1940s. He was a theologian and a pastor and a scholar and advocate for social justice. And you hear him, don't you? You hear him? Look outside of these windows and care for those people out there. That's church. That's church. After all, from its very beginning, Acts chapter 13. Of course, the church is together. They're serving and singing and and worshiping together until the Holy Spirit said in Acts 13, 2, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And what was the work he called them to do? 
after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They left the church family, and the one who sent them off was the Spirit. The Spirit. And so in Acts 13, they traveled down to Seleucia on the coast. They got in a boat. They traveled over the little island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. They went to a couple of cities there. They taught about Jesus. They taught about the Word of God. They left the warm confines of a church family and confronted a broken culture. In Acts 13, they met a spiritual seeker named Sergius Paulus. They, they tried to persuade uh, entrenched believers in the Jewish synagogues in verse 5 of chapter 13. They even met uh, all manner of wicked people like a false prophet and a sorcerer named Elymas in verses 10 and 11 who they had to put in place. And you get it, don't you? You see it. This is it. This is church, people on mission, people persuading those on the outside, people confronting social evils. This is church. The reason we exist is to reach those outside. The Psalms sing about it. Psalm 96 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. The Jewish law declared it. You are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves are foreigners in Egypt. Or the church even expected it in James chapter 1. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And of course, all of this is catalyzed by Jesus himself when he told his followers, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so there you go. There you have it. It's as clear as day. The church is focused on those outside. So which is it? We focus inside on the worshiping community of believers, or we focus outside on the needy community of unbelievers. Which is it? And of course, the answer is, Yes. It's not either or, it's both and. It's, we're a people who love one another, but a people who also love our neighbor. We're a people who worship together so we can be equipped to witness among all people. Mission exists, John Piper once wrote, because worship around the world does not. So our focus, our focus as a, as a church, our focus is our church family. We focus on our church family. And... We focus on our community that we welcome as family. It's a tension. But I think it's a healthy tension. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some of the tensions that the early church faced in the book of Acts, and we still face today. But in the meantime, you know about tensions. You, you know kind of being pulled in two different directions, and maybe they're both healthy, and they're both good, but sometimes you feel that pull. I, I know you teachers have felt tensions in your classrooms. I know some of you teachers are feeling a tension about still being in your classrooms as the school year winds down. But, you know, for instance, you've got this student... This little elementary school student on the test was asked to write five words you can spell. <laughs> and so this little girl wrote five words you can spell. Now, on the one hand, nailed it, right? On the other hand, that's not exactly, I think, what the teacher was going for, right? 
bit of attention for the teacher. Or uh, maybe this sign in elementary school classroom, this class <laughs> has gone zero days without singing We Don't Talk About Bruno. How many of you know that song? Okay. Uh, a little bit of tension there. On the one hand, you know, the class is singing and having fun, and that's a wonderful environment. On the other hand, the teacher's brain is rotting because they sing it every single day. Or attention like uh, this little guy's assignment, elementary school. I think my teacher wants a break <laughs> for Christmas because I think she's tired of teaching. <laughs> now, again, on the one hand, um, you know, this little guy didn't spell any of the words right, <laughs> really. <laughs> But on the other hand, I think he's right on about what his teacher wants for Christmas break, don't you? Teachers know tensions. And I think Paul, I think Paul knew tension. He knew the tension between focusing inside the church and focusing outside the church in Acts 13. He felt that tension. In fact, he puts it this way to the Christians of Galatia. I think so beautifully. He says, therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Do you feel how big that is? All people. That means Christians. It means non-Christians. It means Buddhists and Muslims and atheists and all the rest. It means red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. It means all people. All people. And then he says this, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We have a dual focus to those made in the image of God and who are infinitely precious to Him and also to those who are part of the family of faith. And today, we're trying to hold both of these things together. In fact, our worship service this morning is intended to show this tension between these two. Here in the first half of our worship service together, uh, we've tried to have a, a worship church family moment where we sing and we talk and we, we hear from God's Word together. And then in the second half of the service, we'll talk about here in just a moment, we're going to focus our eyes on the needs of our community and what that looks like for us as a church family. But right in the middle, I want you to see this, right in the middle of our service, right in the middle of all these tensions is the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself, the one who took on flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. So let me invite you, if you've got communion elements there with you, to take those. Right in the middle of our service, we have these images of a meal with Jesus, this communion meal, which has its own sense of tensions to it. It reminds us of Jesus, the Word of God, who was silenced on the cross. Jesus, the life who experienced death on a cross. Jesus, the light of the world who experienced darkness on a cross. John puts it this way. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What a strange tension. The author of life sentenced to death, and yet he defeated death. He rose from the grave so that John says, all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's you, that's me. Adults who can become children again. Sinners who can become forgiven. Outsiders who are invited inside. And that's the tension around this meal. It's a beautiful and healthy tension. So this morning, 
as we eat this bread symbolizing his body, I hope you'll giggle just a little bit about the nonsensical and yet beautiful grace of God that invites you and me into his embrace. Would you take this? And the juice, which symbolizes the blood of Jesus, spilled on our behalf, strength us together.